This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Kat Kinsman, the executive features editor at Food & Wine, and here we are reading a letter from a listener. I remember I went, in the middle of a breakup, we decided, oh, I guess we need to go get something to eat, and we ate together. <laughs> like, no. When did this happen? What did you eat? Okay, so we were, this would have been uh, 2001, and uh, we went to uh, Pork Chop House. Uh, it was a restaurant in Chinatown. So we wow. broke up in a uh, in a park in Chinatown. I uh, sort of still remember, we're friends now, by the way, I will copy sure. out and say this, because we decided to sort of cushion the breakup. So we were, we broke up, and then the thing that we'd always been really good at was eating together. So we went and, and got pork chops, but we we, we actually made a, a sort of plan. We said, okay, you know, the thing is we really are, you know, friends and we treasure each other and stuff like that. This is not a good relationship for either one of us. He had initiated it, but oh well. Um, and, but we made a plan like, okay, we're not going to talk for a year. And this way we were going to pretend each other, you know, we will wish each other well, we will do these, we'll figure out how to deal with the friends, but, uh, you know, we're not going to talk for a year so we can be friends later. And uh, we did that. And lo, these many years later, we are we are still friends. And I think his girlfriend is fantastic. That is such a great way to plan for a genuine lasting friendship, which is pork chops and don't talk to me for a year. Yeah. And then uh, he was in my wedding. So it worked out really well. That is fantastic. Was that the best breakup that you would say you'd ever had? It was good. Yeah, it was really, it was, it was, it was, uh, very um, structured and good. And the problem, well, the problem was like, it's just a problem for me. 9-11 happened a few months later. Um, but we did check in on each other to make sure we were okay. And then we went back to uh, not being around each other. And it was that, and it was really good. That feels like there's like a certain kind of like mid-aughts, like romantic comedy that could have absolutely, I could absolutely <laughs> see someone be like, okay, I'm going to break up with my girlfriend tomorrow. And then like funny beginning parts. And it's like, then 9-11 happened. I couldn't break up with her then. <laughs> Exactly. And um, I, I already we, know the the Rob Pattinson one where it ends with 9-11. But I mean, like, a how to lose a guy in 10 days kind of tone of just like, oh, we've been dating three weeks. I meant to end it. I waited too long. Yeah. And then you end up uh, years later and just things keep happening, man. What would you say, Would you, if, if you care to share with the audience, what would you, like, count as your worst breakup that's still funny. Don't tell us one that's like genuinely sad because oh, I want to be happy. Oh, I I feel so bad about this um, because I had broken up with the guy, but I was trying to preserve his feelings. And uh, so I hadn't done it correctly and he didn't realize we were actually breaking up because I tried to cushion the blow too much. So it, he's like, oh, so I'm going to be around like next Thursday. I was like, no, no, you won't. <gasps> you know, like, so I'm going to come to your house for Thanksgiving. I'm like, uh, you're actually not. Um, because I'd been too soft and not emphasized like that. And I have a date next week. <laughs> so I wanted to be compassionate, like end that before I actually 
uh, went and did this thing. So uh, we're good now, which is nice. <laughs> we are wow, good now, but that's... I felt sort of. Yeah, I am friends with most of my exes. Impressive. Yeah, try. Like, there's a reason I dated them in the first place. Yeah, not all of them, but a lot of them. <laughs> well, I feel like this is a great moment for you to read our next letter because um, you just, you know intuitively how to help people navigate uh, difficult romantic conversations. And um, this one is a, a real, Ooh. a real nice one. Oh, this one uh, <laughs> sent a chill through my soul. The golden rule applies to deodorant too. I've been in a same-sex relationship for five years. It's been pretty surprising because I always thought I was straight and haven't been attracted to any other women. But I love this one. She's smart, fun, and generous. Right now, she's supporting me while I finish my master's, which is amazing. But we have a problem with clothes. She often wears my tops without asking. This used to annoy me, but now I just let it go. I still always ask her when I want to borrow a top. Yesterday, I asked if I could wear a specific one of hers, and she said, yeah, you put on deodorant. Deodorant has always been a consistent part of my routine. So consistent that it's sort of strange she mentioned it. I said, of course I would, and then asked half-jokingly, are you wearing deodorant while you're wearing my top right now? She said no and kept watching TV. Sometimes we get into a yelling match, and she'll ask me to stop yelling at her, which I respect, but then she'll keep yelling at me. When I ask her about these things, her response is, are you angry at me, or are you angry with yourself for not setting boundaries that I choose to set? She's going to school to be a psychiatric professional. I feel really confused by this. Should I be more assertive or am I unreasonably expecting her to utilize the golden rule? I, you know, I love this one. Like, (laughs) I love the implied, like, I should front load this with the fact that this is the only woman I've ever dated. Because it's like, I felt like implicit in that was like, is this maybe like a lesbian thing that I'm not aware of? Like where you're not allowed to fight about deodorant or like you don't have to wear any if you're borrowing your girlfriend's top. Like, did I just like miss that day? Is deodorant patriarchal? Like, yeah, probably. <laughs> I Listen, if it is, then I am on the side of patriarchy uh, on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, that was weird. It, maybe she thought she was being funny or something. Um I feel like this is just one of those great opportunities. Like if your partner says something that you just find really odd, just go ahead and follow it up the next day and just say like, I thought it was really weird last night when you made that remark about my wearing deodorant when I borrow your shirt and then said that you weren't wearing any with me. What was going on? Like just just in that tone, that level of open-ended, like let her go into any detail. Maybe she just was like, I was irritated that you were asking me this or during an otherwise lighthearted moment and I wanted to like be a goof and I sounded weird or like I secretly have really weird ideas about deodorant and now you're going to find out about them. You know, I think that the thing is asking, do I smell is, you know, that's a scary ass thing to think of like, oh my God, that's again, we go back to shame, like being mortified um, because you know, that's, you know, a, a couple of friends of mine have told me over the years, the most like a traumatizing, very embarrassing thing they'd encountered, you know, is childhood or, or adult was somebody telling them that they smelled. Because I think everybody's maybe secretly afraid that they smell or else in you know, the fragrance industry wouldn't be, you know, qu- quite where it is. But oh my gosh, like it, it so plays to the heart of so many people's fears there. And, you know, I, I personally, I would want to know if I did. But that is, uh, you know, telling somebody that something about them smells off, that is that is some scary territory there because that one gets in there. It gets to the root of so many things like, do they think I don't wash? Do they think like 
my, my particular anxious brain would spiral about how many times I must have reeked and they didn't mention it and were they just looking for an opening like this? So I, I particularly know that my brain would be spiraling if somebody was like, it was, was trying to imply that I smell and I would be, you know, so mortified and you'd be able to smell me coming with like smell them good kind of stuff from, from now on. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't read this and get a hint that the letter writer's girlfriend does think that she smells. I like got the hint that she's like kind of a jerk sometimes and was like just like being a little bitchy um, because she was like, I don't know, maybe annoyed that the letter writer still asks about borrowing shirts. But yeah, I mean, obviously the bigger thing for me here is like when she's like, don't yell at me and you stop. And then she's like, I'm going to keep yelling. And then you're like, please don't. And her response is, are you mad at me? Are you mad at yourself because you stop yelling and I don't? Which, what the hell? Um, I, I was so confused in this sentence. It's like somebody says, like, don't, you know, do something. And then, you know, stop. I'm I'm sensitive to yelling. I grew yeah. up with it. My husband grew up with it. So we were, like, extremely no yelly people. And I can count, like, I think he yelled once. Like, I've yelled once. We've been together, like, 17 and a half years. So different people are going to react different ways. But, like, being yelled at is horrible. To me, I hate it. I I would not be cool with it. So yeah, I think letter writer that is also worth talking about, which is just like, you know, that's a really shitty thing for you to say. Don't say it to me anymore. And um, I would like you to stop yelling as well. Like, again, I get that sometimes if you're fighting and you like your voices get raised, it takes a minute to realize you're doing it. But, you know, when you get to the level of, oh, I've realized we're yelling, let's both like pause and take a break. You know, if you stop and she keeps yelling, letter writer, I would really encourage you to do things like say, let's talk again later. I'm going to go for a walk or like go hang out in a different part of the apartment. But just like if she doesn't stop yelling, feel free to end that conversation. You do not have to stick around and get yelled at. Yeah, we and we all have really differing relationships to yelling. For some people, it's just how they grew up and it's totally fine. And that's just how you communicate with each other. But for other people, it can be weaponized. So it's just, yelling is just going to mean different things to different people. And that's like weirdly one of those ground rules that nobody talks about. Like, how are these, you know, these ways? Like, I see people, you know, uh, couples and families and stuff and yelling fights all the time. And it's not reflective of their relationships whatsoever. It's just how they happen to communicate in that moment. And I I know that I shut down and get freaked out if, if that happens. So they might have just a different relationship to that. And I think that would be a conversation worth having. But then if you are a person who says like, hey, you know, don't yell at me or whatever, and the person keeps doing it, then you, you have to wonder. And if they're using like, they're sort of tap dancing around and using fancy psychiatric school, like language on you to try to circumvent that, I think it's okay. And to call them on and be like, hey, I'm not one of your patients here. I am your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. And just like if somebody is uh, like has enough presence of mind to say, are you mad at me or are you mad at yourself for not setting boundaries that I choose to set? They're, they've got enough presence of mind to stop yelling. And again, I, I'm with you. Like I, I get that there's like yelling versus screaming. I get that like sometimes raising your voice during an argument like is not necessarily a sign that you need to break up. But letter writer, it's also fine if you're just like, God, she yells and then when I stop yelling, she doesn't stop and she's bitchy about it. Like you might just decide she's kind of an asshole sometimes and you get to decide, you know, do I think she's an asshole enough of the time that I'm no longer as thrilled about this relationship as I thought I was? Or, you know, we talk about it. I, she gets a little bit better. Sometimes she's a jerk. I, I didn't get like a super strong, like break up with her or like, no, this is like totally workable vibe from this letter. Maybe lean towards like, 
I'd like to see some improvement or else I would probably say, find another girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah. And guess what? There are other ladies out there. (laughs) The borrowing your tops without asking thing, like, I don't care that much about it. So like, that doesn't really bother me, but the other stuff really would annoy me. Yeah. And also some people are hinky about possessions and that is okay because again, we all have different relationships to these things. Um, I, you know, my sister would get furious if I try to borrow her stuff and she would borrow my stuff all the time and not even ask. So, you know, we all have different relationships to these, these kind of things. And I think it's just a matter of coming in and again, you know, just lead with compassion and and caring and, and, uh, that, you know, you want to grow and be safe with this person and, you know, and lead with the best possible intentions. And if you feel you're not being met with the best intentions back and somebody's just trying to trip you up with fancy linguistic footwork, then maybe there's something to look at there. But just, you know, come in with your, uh, honestly. Yeah. I think sometimes um, a really great quality to look for in a partner is like, do they handle being in a fight well? You know, mm-hmm. um, ideally you're, you're going to be with someone where you don't fight much of the time, but everybody fights some of the time and should fight some of the time. And, um, it, it, it's so fantastic to be with somebody who can fight without losing their temper, immediately saying like the most intense thing they can think of shouting, getting snippy, like when they can really kind of like acknowledge like, yeah, we're fighting. Yeah. This is frustrating. We're disagreeing, but I'm still going to like basically maintain my like usual personality, my usual mode of addressing you. I'm not going to fly off the handle. Like that is invaluable. I remember one, some of the best advice I ever uh, got was, you know, when I was moving in with my now husband and I was more afraid of that than I was about getting married. I said, you know, I was asking various people who had been in long-term relationships like, okay, so, you know, what are you know, what are some principles you live by? What are some, some rules? And uh, somebody said, no cheap shots. Like that's yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a really, really good one. So we have never, because, you know, if you're going to love somebody and be in an intimate relationship with them, they, you know, it's part about like showing your your vulnerabilities, flipping over and, you know, showing the soft underbelly and stuff and, and trusting them with it. And if they're going to like, you know, put the dagger right in there, then uh, it's it's not fair, but no cheap shots. I think that's a really, you know, we, you know, we don't have... We only have one rule in our in our marriage, and that is you can't get up on a ladder when somebody else isn't there. But we have a lot of principles, and no cheap shots is is one of those, and it's really really served as well. Because like if we were at each other, we could destroy one another because we know those vulnerabilities, but we never would. So I think if you know this person knows that you're going to be spiraling about you know a deodorant comment, if they go in there knowing. That's one thing, but if they said it just offhandedly to be funny, it's, that's a different kind of thing. And then you can tell them like, hey, that's a it's a weird thing for me, maybe if we don't go into that territory. 100%. 100%. I also really like the latter rule because I feel like I have a couple of similar ones in my own life where it's like, I know that I can't control the circumstances of my own death, but like absent a genuine act of God, there's like a handful of ways that's like, oh, I know I'm not going to go out via an accidental Tylenol overdose or a venue fire because like I have systems in place. Like that's not going to happen. And for you, it's falling off a ladder. Yeah. Well, cause he, he had, uh, before we met had fallen off a 30 foot ladder and, uh, well, and in the course of our marriage, uh, went up and fell off the ladder and had to have ACL, um, and meniscus surgery. So there is precedent yeah. for this. And it's just like, it's one of those things that's like, as long as somebody else is there, the worst thing that can happen is you fall off the ladder and get immediate medical attention. Like, 
it just it it just removes like one element of like bloody chaos from life. It doesn't make everything perfect, but like, yeah, just I'm not going out in a venue fire. Yeah, oh, and there's there's one other sort of sub rule to this. It's actually sort of not that, but it's also about decision making and respect. You don't have to go and see a uh, play music uh, movie that you don't want to. Usually, yes. And the other person will go. And well, no, and then this is the thing, like as a couple, like you don't force the other person to go to something. They can go alone or they can go to somebody else with no recrimination, but it doesn't have to be you. I like that. I like that a lot. It's a well, good one. <laughs> I will now, I think, probably adopt that. I've never, I don't think I've been on a ladder. I can't remember the last time I was on a ladder. I certainly don't own a ladder, but still, I, I'm going to adopt that general principle. I think it's a good one. Thank you for, for sharing it. I appreciate it May immensely. May all your ladders be stable. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with the guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>